0: Welcome into Live with Layhouse, the show where we guide you to the technology, talent, and marketing solutions to drive your business forward. I'm your host, Joe Ray, and I'm really excited for this week because we're entering into a mini season here where I'm bringing you some marketing conversations to help drive your business forward. It's a topic that's really close to my heart because that's the work that I do every day here at Layhouse Technology Services. And I'm really looking forward to helping some other businesses learn from some great leaders who have some incredible philosophies and maybe some unconventional takes on marketing. That I think can really benefit businesses of any size and any industry really looking forward to bringing some of these ideas to the Western New York business community. I'm really excited to be joined today by Sam Keenley, who's VP of marketing at LOXO. Sam's got over a decade of experience in marketing and demand generation roles for software products. Sam's done a really great job with LOXO where they've been able to take the positioning they already had as a talent intelligence platform and bring it to a larger audience and really increase their top level awareness. And driving results for the business and getting themselves to the point where they've been able to take some bigger creative swings. So, I'm a big fan of Sam's philosophy. I think you can learn a ton from it. I'm really glad you chose to listen to this week's episode. So, hope you enjoy. Hey, Sam, how are you doing today? Really glad you could take the time to join us on Live with Layhouse.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. And especially as you're talking this week about just everything that you're doing over the next couple of weeks and, and some of your ambitious goals, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this and love what you're doing with it.
0: Really looking forward to it and uh, been a big fan of your work with Loxo over the last last year or so here, kind of like this repositioning campaign with the talent intelligence platform, really been looking forward to that. And we're LOXO users here at Lighthouse. So been really glad to chat with you a little bit and kind of hear about some of your work and looking forward to sharing some more of that with our audience. Perfect. Yeah, let's get into it. For those who might not be familiar with you, was wondering, Sam, if you wanted to just intro with a quick fun fact about yourself. Fun
1: fact. I always, okay. This isn't the fun fact. My fun fact is usually I hate fun facts, which is kind of funny Ah. because it's so hard to come up with them on the spot, but I was like, okay. He told me he wants a fun fact before, so we'll get into it. I don't even know if this is a fun fact, but it's almost like the weird thing is I crave feedback and learning what I could be doing better, what I'm doing wrong. And it's not like in this masochistic way, but I grew up playing sports. I played soccer through college. And when you play at those higher levels, you always have a coach there. And their main job is to help you get better. And the higher you go, it's it's, they're not there to give you the participation trophies. They're not giving you the gold stars. They expect you to do that. They're there to tell you like, this is what you should be working on. This is what you should improve. Like you're getting tired too early. Go do cardio. Your left foot sucks. You need to practice hitting 100 long balls with it and get better. So as I shifted into the workspace, like I've learned that that mindset's just stuck with me. And so that's something that it's it's always interesting because how you give feedback and how you receive feedback in the workplace is so different from when you're in like that sports context. It's often viewed as negative. So Fun fact, like if anyone ever doesn't like what I'm doing or thinks I could do a better job, please tell me. I will gladly accept it and say thank you versus getting all, you know, up on my soapbox and telling you that that I don't want to hear it.
0: We we're definitely kindred spirits in that fact. And uh sounds like you made it a little further into your sports career than mine. Volleyball, hockey, tennis was my high school split and, and it ended after uh, high school graduation right there. But same kind of thing, right? It's like, I want to hear that feedback. I want to get better. It always frustrated me too, like when coaches wouldn't give me feedback that I knew. All right, I know I'm doing something wrong here. Like, like what's going on? So in the workplace too, proactively trying to like find opportunities to get that feedback is definitely mm-hmm. part of my work too. And uh, I will hey. definitely keep an eye out on your work too. Too, and uh, glad to share tips and always message back and forth. Deal. We'll keep each other honest. Looking forward to it, Sam. Really excited here. And uh, you know, maybe for the uninitiated who aren't familiar with Loxo or your work, uh, can you just give a little overview of the platform and, and what you're working on?
1: Yeah, so locks are the platform, all the fun. So it starts at the top and human capital, like that's the one thing every organization needs, right? Every company recruits or hires in some form or fashion. But the more specialized, the more niche, the more critical your role is, the more you cannot afford to make a bad hire. And I know that you probably know and feel this, but the average recruiters tech stack is a mess of like 10 plus different tools, services, all Frankenstein's monster built onto one another. And so but Loxo's talent intelligence platform is essentially built with the vision. That it shouldn't take 10 plus tools to make one higher. And so we simplify the recruiting process while we do a student cost. And it's like, well, yeah, it's software. It should probably make things better, be cheaper if, if you're trying to pitch it. So the, the one caveat that I say is like, for so long, simple software and sophisticated recruitment practices were mutually exclusive. But with the talent intelligence platform, that's no longer the case. The the single shops, the, the the low user agencies, or the people who are new, they can have sophisticated recruitment and doing it in a really easy to use place. That's what the vision of the talent intelligence platform is, is to just help you do what you do best, recruit, and not have to worry about your software, your tech, and all of the headaches that typically come
0: with that. It's a great example there. And, and Lighthouse being a four recruiter shop and using a tool like Loxo being able to keep on top of everything and collaborate asynchronously as a team and then review it when we're in meetings and things like that has been really effective for us as well. And, and definitely, you know, a great conversation to have there that really the high level goal, like what we're trying to get to is helping people recruit and retain the best talent. So a uh, great tool to be able to do that and great place to start. So thanks, Sam. Can you walk us back a little bit to when you first joined Loxo and mm-hmm. what were some of the things that you learned about the platform, about the audience that have started to inform some of the marketing efforts you've taken up?
1: Yeah, the audience, the platform. This was a fun one. So let's start with the audience, the market. When I came in, my background is not recruiting. It's it's definitely B two B software, but I was not a recruiter. I I I've been part of hiring experiences, but never in the the recruiter side. So I was like, okay, well, back to first principles. Let's learn about the market, how people go about their jobs, and so I just went and looked at a glance, like what what's out there, who are we playing with, and so I I popped over to G two and I was laughing at this. There were over 500 different ATS tools. There's over 125 different recruitment CRMs. There's countless sourcing tools. You have contact information tools left and right. Like it's a very concentrated and dense space. So I was like, oh boy, that's, this is going to be interesting to get into it. But on the product side, what I found is we had phenomenal win rates. And so before Loxo, I was at Refine Labs, which is a B2B marketing agency. And I oversaw 100 plus different businesses and their sales data. And Loxo's business results in terms of like win rates and everything else were far better than I had ever seen before. So what I took away from this is, is when people see Loxo, they choose us, but the marketplace is so crowded. People didn't know who Loxo was. We weren't on that initial list that people often have like, oh, I need to go buy an ATS. Like, okay, I'm going to start thinking of competitor one, two, three. Like if Loxo isn't on that list, we're not going to be part of that final decision being made. So how do we break that? How do we still start to help people understand like, who is loxo what are they doing? It's kind of an ATS. It's kind of this, it's kind of that there's that education perspective, but also not being a commodity with everyone else is the other challenges. Like, I don't want to be one of 500. Like, how can we really start to separate and stand out? So people think like, I want LOXO, not, oh, LOXO's is one of five. I guess I'll go with them.
0: And that's a really great marketing problem to walk into. I guess if, if you're, if you're thinking yeah. about different problems, that it's, that it's a product that people end up buying and really see the value in it's just a matter of okay building that top level awareness communicating what makes you different at that first level what were some other insights or decisions that kind of you had to address with the team at loxo before taking on this kind of repositioning effort
1: yeah. So we had strong product market fit with that. So we really just weren't getting enough bat- at bat. So I was like, our messaging is actually pretty good. It was the talent. Matt already coined it as a talent intelligence okay. platform before okay. I came. So he was already working out. He's already establishing the category. But where it's been at is the category is kind of saying it's just like, well, let's consolidate all your tools. And like, well, we have to, we have to push on that a little bit harder. You know, just saying uh, instead of having 10 different tools from different categories, we're we're one consolidated tool in its own category. Like, What else can we do to really explain like, the value that, that people are getting out of this? And so how we then went about it was, this is the fun part of the marketing strategy. It's like, well, we can, we can get more people into the sales funnel if we want. I can go run lead gen campaigns. I can go tell people, like talk to sales, just push ads all day out there. Like, hey, come come check out Lockso. We'll give you a $100 gift card. But I know how well that, that doesn't usually work. And so this goes back to a really interesting study that came from Bain. And normally I take those with a grain of grain of salt, but I actually stand 100% by this. And it goes back to that list concept I was telling you about before, where they found that four out of 5 B E2B buyers have a day one list when they start researching. And then 90% of those final purchases are from a vendor on that list. So if you're not on that list, like if someone's going to do an RFP, you're going to Google after they already know, like there's three options I want to go with you're, you're not likely going to be the one that they they purchase. So our strategy is rooted in how do we get ahead of that? How do we get on the day one list? So when someone finally enters the market, they finally feel that pain. They're not Googling something like what's the best ATS or recruiting agency. They're going straight and typing in www.loxo.co or they're sending a DM to Matt, to myself, to someone on our sales team saying, hey, we want to get a demo and they know what we do. They don't, We don't have to pitch them on the bike because they already understand it. So that's where it's, it's very easy to say that, right? But it's really hard to do. So what I was saying earlier, like, I can start with saying what this doesn't look like and that's not treating everyone like they're in the market because as you and I, I both know, people are in long-term contracts. They have big teams, small teams, change management. is just not fun to deal with. And we're not running ads saying like, come talk to our sales team now. And we're also not having our sales team just reaching out with hard pitches to our prospects. We all get enough DMs in LinkedIn saying like, Do you want our lead gen services? Do you want to buy our software? It's like those don't work anymore. So what it does look like is how do we educate? How do we entertain our market? Because the reality is 95% of them aren't in the market to buy anything right. But they will be in the next 12, 24, 36 months. So taking that long-term approach. And then we have our AEs and BDRs take a consultative approach by offering to help prospects solve larger recruiting problems. Whether or not they use Loxo, building... That trust early on is what also has them think positively about LOXO. They refer other people, even if they aren't customers of ours. So it's creating this long-term snowball that's really hard to stop once it gets rolling.
0: Yeah, and there's an interesting thing there too, Sam, to explore about the principle of, of maybe a rising tide raises all ships, that having those conversations about the issues that are personal to the communities you're trying to serve, the people who are doing the recruiting work and might potentially look at a tool like LOXO by having those conversations, you're naturally going to grow the business along the way too. And then, you know, you know, even for people who might not choose Loxo, they're at least doing more effective work, they're still seeing the value in your solution. You know, maybe they still have some affinity and it might come your way down the line as well. So really, really beneficial in multiple stages there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the fun part. I mean, that's why we do our podcast at the end of the day. It's like, you use Loxo. So if you don't use Loxo, so that's fine. We're going to share tips to help you be a better recruiter based on just what we see with all the conversations we have with the recruiters and how they use the platform itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Always having those conversations and always staying top of mind is, is key. So really good reminder there. Thanks, Sam. Uh, you know, when we talk about Loxo, so you mentioned the talent intelligence platform. So you came into the role with Loxo. So that verbiage was already there. It was really more than an issue of clarifying specific value proposition and what difference does that make when you're thinking about the tool that you're bringing on as more than just an applicant tracking system? Uh, what were some of those things that you looked at that when you were starting to go to market with, with some of this messaging as you were coming in here and really enhancing that value proposition?
1: Yeah. So it really stemmed from just what what Matt and Ilya, their co-founder, noticed in the beginning. It's just like, there's got to be a better way to do this. this. This bolted on scenario doesn't seem natural. And that's exactly what software and technology are supposed to solve for. How do you make process easier how do you automate more things and so starting from from that they spent 10 years building this out that we've been around for 10 years before I even joined the company and this was the first time we really started pushing marketing and so following that thought of like there's got to be a better way we've got to be constantly innovating pushing because there's also that sense of like don't rest on your laurels There's plenty of software out there that, you know, they build a great product once, then they just kind of plateau it. They don't really innovate further or anything else. Like we don't want to be those people. With that in mind, talking about like earlier, we said, you know, there's, there's sophistication platforms and systems, and then you have simplicity. So how do we marry those? How do we create the ideal workflow? And that goes back to the, the first principles concept. Like what's the job to be done of a recruiter at the end of the day? Like if you're a full desk recruiter, you know, you've got to go out, you, you get a job order. So I got to go find the, the perfect candidate for this role. I have to go and source that candidate. So I need to find access to some of the, the top candidates in the world. I mean, we live in a global workforce now. It's not, there still are plenty of opportunities where people are, are hiring within the same cities and everything else, but more, more people are open to just global workforce. How do we identify the best individuals? Now that I know who those individuals are, how do I get in touch with them? I need their contact information. But you know, I can't send them a work email because that's going to be awkward if I'm pitching them I'm like, come work for this company instead of the one that you're at. And, you know, they're watching your inbox, maybe or maybe not. So how do I get their personal information? Then how do I go about reaching out? Then from there, how do I track them through the the ATS or our recruiting serum? So there's all of these different things. And how do we? Marry that. So we're like, okay, how do we simplify this workflow as much as possible? So you can just do it in one place, have it be seamless. You drag something over, it automatically pulls their contact information. You drag them to outbound. You can have campaigns already set up. And again, you don't have to jump over to another platform. And then if they reply, it logs it back in your ATS for you. Like things like that. Software, tech. This is exactly what they should be built for at the end of the day. And so that is what we call. It's like Matt always often refers to it as web 2.0. That's what a lot of organizations, companies, softwares should be doing today. And so the third further step, what I really like, is that too many ATS, too many recruiting CRMs, I call it like, they're like Keurig coffee pods or solo cups. They're single use only. You work a job, you talk to the candidates, you make a placement, and then that data goes into the abyss of everyone else that you you source, that you did anything with. Whereas a talent intelligence platform, it learns and grows with you. So from the job itself, you take into account things like the job title that you're working on, the hiring company and their unique makeup, how big are they, how much revenue do they have? what industry are they in to the details of the job description, that all informs the talent intelligence platform. And it's going to help surface like, hey, here are ranked candidates for you that we think will be better fit based on those criteria. We're going to help you set up outreach cadences using specific details from that job description. So this is all learning and growing with you. And then the final part, uh, Lex and I are going to get into this in a podcast soon, but it absolutely blows my mind when I hear this. Like it's something like, 80% of recruiters don't even use a recruiting CRM, which blows my mind. Like this should make any job that you do make so much easier. Like you're creating a database of the best possible candidates for you. And especially if you're in a specific niche, you only hire certain job titles, you work in certain industries. Like what you learn from one job, if say you, you know, you end up submitting 10 people, one gets hired, you have nine phenomenal candidates still because you vetted them and most people just let them fall to the wayside. They don't do anything with that. It's like, no, use that. And then when you get your next job, you already have that information, you have that relationship with them. Like that's what expedites it. And that's how we say it's like, we say make two to three to four to five times more hires. That's how you do it. It's not because of any anything crazy, but it's just servicing the information and the work that you've already done in a more intelligent way. So you're going from this concept of single use only to stacking growth that just makes things easier and easier over time.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's a really important way to do that as well. And, and I see that with our recruiting team as well that you talk to so many different people throughout the process, you're screening them, you're getting to know them, you're building relationships. We do like, we do a keep in touch email and really kind of stay in communication with those people. Again, knowing that it's, you know, a very timely industry that we're in. And when a new job order comes in, we want to be able to go back and see, okay, is there anyone we've talked to already who might be a a really good fit for this position and start from there before we go to Mm -hmm the open recruiting and, and whatnot. So really being able to have visibility over all that, and it makes, it makes the term talent intelligence come into play a little bit more. It makes sense to me as just like a wordsmith and thinking about that and, and thinking more intelligently and working smarter, not harder in that way. So really see, really see how that comes together and, and can appreciate yeah. that.
1: Yeah, as has a better ring than talent common sense platform,
0: talent <laughs> intelligence, you know, we, we go with that instead. You you could probably spin an ad around talent, common sense, maybe for like an April Fool's (laughs) campaign or something like we're going to actually call it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But as you were talking there, Sam, it, it got me thinking too, because thinking about the jobs to be done by recruiters and the various different things that you're looking at addressing through the platform, that's a really complicated value proposition to communicate over time. And it's not something that can come in one video or one social post or one Google ad or something like that. I actually wanted to go off on a tangent uh, real real quick, because I remember seeing a post of yours that pretty early on in your time at Loxo that you shut off all of the Google ads when you were reviewing their effectiveness and and what's really going to be most effective for Loxo. Um, curious if you could go a little bit into that decision and what those conversations were like. And then is that still where you're at right now? Or are you starting to reimagine Google ads for Loxo and what those look like with some of the new messaging you've been rolling out?
1: Yeah. So we're still at that. I'm not, I'm not spending money on Google ads currently. And funny enough, I just did, I don't know if you, if you know, Chris Walker, um, Mm -hmm. he has a podcast revenue vitals. He just released it yesterday. He and I went and in about like a 20, 30 minute conversation about this specific thing where I talk all the numbers and everything else. But yeah, the, the story behind it is Google. When you're in a crowded space, like we were saying, you know, there's 500 different options for an ATS alone. When you have that many people bidding on a keyword that drives up bid costs, right? There's only so much supply or demand that they can give that you want to go after. So 10 years ago, you know, a, an average cost per click, I forget what the numbers are on Google, but it used to be like, you know, a dollar, two dollars, something yeah, like that. And then yeah. fast forward in the past year, it's like four five, six. And these are these are very common terms. But when you get into high intent keywords, so like we were saying earlier, like best ATS software, best ATS software for recruitment agencies a cost per click on those can go from anywhere from $50 to $100 because there's not a lot of volume for it. And so our pricing's on our website. I mean, we started at $119 per month. So that quickly tells you, if you run the numbers, say, you know, okay, you spend $100 on a click. Perfect world. Imagine if you you convert one out of every 10 of those to a customer. Well, you've just spent $1,000 to acquire that person. And so granted, we don't, that, that's a very ambitious yeah. statement, but mm-hmm. I ran the numbers and basically found out on all the keywords that we'd been running previously we were upside down, so to speak, in that it was costing us more to acquire them than we would get in revenue in the first year, and so my marketing acquisition target is always we should be recouping any customer acquisition costs within twelve months from an ad spend standpoint, so if it costs more to get them than their first year contract would bring back to us, that's not worth it because I have other channels there's LinkedIn there's other places where I know that I can do that more cost effectively so yeah, we paused all that. We we shifted money over to different avenues, one of them being the the, the TV commercials that we recently put out. But it's just the concept to me. It's like we're a startup and we're bootstrapped. We're not venture funded. So I have to be a steward of, of the money that we have. We, don't, we only have a certain bank account. And it's either I can recklessly spend money and we can't grow the team like we would like to, or the more customers that we bring in, the more happy and correct customers we bring in, the faster we can grow the team, which means the better product because we'll have more engineers better experience, we'll have more customer success, customer support people, better marketing, because hopefully I'll get to hire some more marketers along the way. But that's where it all stemmed from. Us just like, I can't look at this and reasonably say that this is worth the money when I know there are other places I could spend this money for a better return.
0: And there's one word that you said in there, calling yourself a steward. And I think that's so important as well. And actually segues me back to what I wanted to ask next, because if you're being a steward for the marketing and how that supports the business, that informs your conversations and your relationships with senior leadership. Obviously, Matt, I know, is CEO, and you've got him on a lot of your podcasts, too. So clearly, he's bought into the marketing efforts that you're undertaking now. How did you go about kind of creating that relationship with uh, with senior leadership and saying, hey, you know, we want to rethink how we're approaching marketing, and, and some of these things might be a little unorthodox? Uh, what was that process like for you?
1: Easier for me than for others, because... CEO of recruiting software. Luckily, he knows how to recruit. He he believed in this methodology beforehand. So he sought people that could do it versus saying, I just need anyone who can who knows marketing to come in. So he understood my philosophy before he even reached out to me, which was, you know, lucky. Most most people don't mm-hmm. get that. But there's still the rest of the team. There was the sales leaders, the customer success leaders, the product leaders. So I had to make sure that they understood. What's our approach to marketing? Again, it's the long game. It's not the short game, which is what most B2B marketing is, unfortunately. So it was absolutely critical that every single one of them understand that because if they don't trust the philosophy or they don't believe it'll work, it won't work because this philosophy takes time to come to fruition. And that's also one where you can't straddle the line and kind of do half like, hey, talk to our sales now. We're going to give you a demo. And the other half trying to be like, buddy, buddy, let me help you. Let me educate you because people see through that. They're just like, oh, you're just, you know, it's just another ploy to try to get us in. So, that's why I say it's like that buy-in is, it's the snowball. And it was in the beginning, I had to set expectations saying, this isn't something where I'm going to come in. And then a month, we're going to have thousands of leads. We're going to be rolling in the dough. This is going to take a quarter, two quarters, four quarters, eight quarters to get to. And the first quarter, I barely even touched our demand generation. I had to get our, all of our systems and frameworks and processes created. So that that way, when Matt said, hey, how is this investment working? I have the data and the frameworks in place to be able to say, Here's how it's going, because if I just start throwing money at the wall and I don't have anything to report on or track it, then it's hard to know what's working at the end of the day. So that's where setting expectations, giving yourself the proper foundation to grow off of. I know it's not fun. It's not the sexiest things, but those are like I hate to keep coming back to this word foundation. But if you have a shaky foundation or if you don't have that in place, then whatever you do on top of it is just going to come falling down, whether it's due to time, lack of trust, unrealistic expectations. That's the, the central point of it all.
0: Yeah. And really looking at trust there, I think that's what resonates with me and where it comes from as well, is that when I was coming to my job here at Lighthouse with our CEO, Randy, it was very important that I had that trust and that we were thinking the same way. Awesome to hear that you had something similar with uh, with Matt when you were coming into lock, So Really, really effective and, and probably sets a lot mm-hmm. of foundation well. And then you're able to get, like you said, into systems and processes and not putting the cart before the horse too much. But you're still able to find some quick wins in there, but good to be able to lay the foundation, as you said. Exactly. Really excited too, Sam, because I I gave a shout out on my LinkedIn a couple of weeks back to uh, about that video campaign that you worked on, mm-hmm. uh, was really impressed to see. And obviously myself, I've met a follower, seeing the podcast, seeing a lot of the content that's coming out of Loxo over time. There's a lot of brand development that goes into this messaging you've built around the talent intelligence platform to then where you can make this awesome uh, video campaign with uh, a couple out in the woods and and searching for recruiting Bigfoot and out in their car uh, doing the whole alien hunt and, and, and whatnot and using Loxo for that was, was a really fun play and, and really enjoyed those.
1: Sweetie, I can find the alien's work history and contact info in seconds with Loxo. Did Loxo build a cosmic Gravitron tracker? <sighs> Phone, email skills, his conspiracy theory podcast, it's all here. I added him to an outreach campaign a few minutes ago, and he's already responded. Spend less time probing in more time connecting. Loxo. Sweetie, I can find Bigfoot's work history and contact info in seconds with Loxo. Can Loxo track a bear by scent alone? Phone, email skills, his used camping gear store, it's all here. I added him to an outreach campaign a few minutes ago, and he's already responded. Spend less time hunting and more time connecting. Loxo.
0: What was that process like? What was kind of the the steps that built up to doing something like that and knowing, okay, this is the right time to take a creative swing like this for Loxo?
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm going to be honest. like, I feel like we were almost like cheating at something because we shouldn't be allowed to have this much fun with work, right? but so what led up to it one it was unlocking that that google ads money that i that i said before was like well why don't i repurpose this into something that i think could do better so there were a couple different ways we had existing channels that were doing well so i'm like okay let's funnel some more money into those we know they're doing but i can also piggy bank it that's the beauty of being a bootstrap company i don't have to spend every quarter a certain amount and i said let's piggy bank this and put this into a big bet that i think is going to work and so why Why I thought it was the right time was because we were seeing that momentum build. We were hearing more people, seeing Loxo in the marketplace. We were seeing more people coming in, wanting to use the product, talk to sales. When our sales and BDRs were calling prospects, the conversation has been starting to change from like, wait, Loxo, what's that? What do you do again? Like, oh yeah, Loxo, I know what you all do. Like, I see the ads or I've been to the website. So that's the first signal. Like, okay, we're starting to get some brand awareness and recognition. And so how do we then take it to the next level? You're familiar with with retargeting, right? And the, the philosophy of like marketing retargeting. So it's basically yeah, it's like when when a prospect or a user sees your ad, it's like, OK, they've seen this, they're familiar with us. Now we can go on to step two, so to speak. And so the traditional retargeting funnel is like, you know, they saw ad one on LinkedIn. So now they're ready for ad two on LinkedIn. They clicked on ad two, so now they're ready for ad three. It's very linear. You're at the mercy of the platform and the market following a very linear buying journey, which we both know like that doesn't exist. It's more like a scribble drawing of a two-year-old with how how much they dance around and go back and forth. And so the philosophy that we follow is more it's like, how how can you be omnipresent? So, like, think about the last time that you were in the market to buy a car. Like, what was it? Was it a Jeep? I bet the last time that you were on the road, you kept seeing it everywhere. It was like, I saw a Jeep here, I saw a Jeep here. And so we wanted to take that same type of approach where you saw loxa once it's kind of in your mind but now you're starting to see it more and more and more but in different places that keeps you top of mind because again it's like if you're limited to just showing up on linkedin as soon as you go off of that you're forgotten even though you have this perfect funnel mapped out so it's meeting our prospects and market where they are where they spend time you know it's like we could show up on TikTok. eh, we haven't quite wanted to crack that or figure that out like we want to show up in a way where like the content is still helpful educational and um entertaining we don't want to force it if we're not ready for that. But we're like, I bet we can do a really good commercial that gets to the point of what we do. And we know that people, you know, after work, they, they go and turn on their TV somewhere. They're watching something, whether it's on in the background, a, a show that they want to watch. And so with that, what we want to do is there's that subtle psychological aspect of seeing a brand on TV. And that makes them seem a lot bigger than they are if they show up on that medium versus like a more transactional, easy to appear on platform, Google, Facebook, LinkedIn. So I was like, we're trying to burst through this. And people are like, oh, who's locks? That's a little startup. It's like, oh, they're on TV. Like, they've got to be something. If this is if this is where they're showing up, like, that's no small fries to do that. So pushing really hard on that. And then it came down to essentially distilling, like, what we do in a way that hits home. But once it leaves you wanting to know more about it. So it's like that that end tagline, find and contact even the most hard to reach candidates, but doing it in a way where it's like searching for Bigfoot, trying to find the aliens. It's this this, like, goose chase that most recruiters probably feel like where they're trying to find that purple swirl candidate where it's like I don't know what you want and then you have this guy that's using binoculars trying to find Bigfoot and then his wife sitting next to him on a computer like oh yeah I've got Bigfoot's contact information right here and I've got him on a zoom in a few minutes like what are you doing so having that juxtaposition was really fun to just show it's like there are new ways better ways different ways to do this that don't make it so hard so impossible to do the job that you thought you could never do.
0: It's a really cool concept and I love how playful it is too. And, uh, you know, dis- somehow you have to, di- when you're going to that format, you have to distill this big complex recruiting job to be done into 30 seconds. And I thought you did a really playful job with that and kudos to you and the whole team that was involved in that. Where I'm wondering if we can go next is just asking about the process of that and how much time went into, okay, let's have a discussion about what we want this to accomplish. What do we want to get out of this campaign? What do we need people to know about us? versus the time that went into the actual creating and distributing the videos
1: yeah so they're both incredibly important because you know if you don't distribute it well then then what's the point of spending all that time and, and energy into it so we really looked at it in in a few ways again it's it's typically through the long-term lens of it but With the commercials itself, we said, we're not here to all of a sudden see an influx of a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand people saying like, oh, I saw the ad. I want to buy Loxo now. It's more, it was elevating brand awareness and brand stature with the market. So that's what we were going into. And one, like most organizations are going to be like, "Uh, that's really hard to measure. Are you sure you want to do that? It's a pretty big investment to do it. So knowing that's the long game, like and what this is doing psychologically with the market, we're like, no, that's. It's going to work. It's going to do everything. And then we have three key data points we look at every quarter. I, I look at pacing the goal for the quarter, but to keep from knee jerk reactions, it's really just looking over time. How many inbound handraisers do we have? So, people that sign up for the free product, people that want to talk to sales, how much pipeline do we have? How much revenue do we have? And so, in the end, we should see this. This is it's like, you know, we were talking about stacking growth of the talent intelligence platform. I also call that that concept with marketing as well. All of your different marketing acts should not just be like random acts of marketing here and there, but how do they interplay with one another to create this this start of hockey stick effect where they build off of one another? It's not like turn on channel one, watch things go through the roof, turn off channel two. Oh no, that's a big impact. Like they'll play together in this in this perfect ecosystem. So, as part of this overall strategy, since these have gone live, we've we've seen and continue to see like up into the right growth and all of these metrics every quarter and we launched this, like you said, a month ago. We've even seen instances come through where uh, just this this morning I was laughing. We had someone that was in the UK say, when we asked, how'd you hear about us? They said, the TV commercial. We're like, oh, awesome. Love it. So like you have people coming in from that way. But also an unexpected one was like some of our sales team, even Matt was on a sales call and he said that he was talking to a prospect and they brought up the commercial on their own. He's just like, you know, I was checking out Loxo I was on the fence about it. And then I was watching TV one night and I saw a Loxo ad and then I saw another Loxo ad and I was like, man, this just, this, this must be it. Like, this is my sign. And so that's almost like the pipeline accelerator or just that omnipresence where you show up, it, it further hammers home those points in different ways. So it's not just creation, but it's almost like validation in in another aspect as well. So again, that's where you say it's like every piece has its own part to play. And if you don't look at them so transactionally, that's where the beauty of it all comes together.
0: Every part has its piece to play. That's a really good takeaway right there. And clip that one for everyone watching and and really look look back at this from a, from that lens of, you know you know how does everything play together? Like that omnipresence. Almost thinking of it as like an ecosystem too, right? Like a lighthouse. We have our podcast. We have our website. We have emails that we send out to people. Things like that. Just different pieces of the conversation all play together. Thinking about that through the lens of okay, how are we top of mind? Are we making sure that people have that affinity for us so they know like, and trust us, that then on the chance when they're ready to uh, seek an external partner for recruiting or for managed IT services, they don't come to us for that type of stuff. And sounds like you've got the same type of system with Waxo as well. Exactly,
1: yeah, yeah. It's beautiful when it works. So I love that y'all are doing it too. Love it when a good plan
0: comes together. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sam, this has been a really good chat as we start to bring this home here. Just wanted to open up the floor a little bit. Was there anything that you really wanted to hit on related to this repositioning conversation that we missed?
1: No, I think we've covered it pretty well. I mean, it's been it's been fun. Honestly, I'm looking forward to hearing if, you know, if people have been enjoying it, if they find it lands well and everything else. So back to the initial fun facts about me, like feedback, send it. I'd love to hear it.
0: Yeah, we're going to have lots of links in the show notes so people can check out every uh, piece of these campaigns that we've been talking about and really, really hope it's informative and helps people learn something new. So super appreciative to you as well, Sam, for taking your time to come on live with Lighthouse here. Uh, as we bring it home, we always have uh, one question at the end that's in the spirit of one of our core values, be a lighthouse. Uh, so I wanted to see if you wanted to take the opportunity to give a shout-out to someone who's supported you or helped you learn something new lately.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give two here. Um, Go for they it. They are my, they're my co-stars on our podcast on the Tactical Tuesday, specifically Vivian Marion and, and Logan Heck. So as I told you earlier, like my background is not recruiting. So when I set out with the podcast, I'm like, I'm not a subject matter expert people are gonna read right through me if i try to position myself that way so being part of a team with so many smart people i can learn from and who are quick to want to volunteer that help like these two jumped in they've got so much recruiting experience and knowledge where they're like yeah like tactical stuff let's let's go all day let's help recruiters be elevated with their different practices and whether they use Loxo or not it, it doesn't matter but they help join our episodes to just fill with like quick hitting insights tips for recruiters that they can implement as soon as they finish listening in that day. So um, huge shout out to them because not only do they help other recruiters, but like I learn from them every time we talk And my quest to, to become a better recruiter, you know, someday I might, but you know, it's as my job is to help recruiters in the space. I want to understand what I'm talking about and, and having their knowledge just absorb like a sponge is, is so amazing to have.
0: Yeah, we're marketers. We naturally have that curious mindset and great to shout out your team members and great to see that you have so many team members who are willing to get visible and participate in the marketing as well is a huge part of making this all work. So really enjoy this chat, Sam. Uh, You know, if people want to learn more about your work or about Loxo, uh, what's a good way for them to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, our website, loxo.co. We've got a podcast and it's uh, when you're done listening to this one, jump over to ours, becoming a a hiring machine and you're going to be on before long. It's going to be a fun fun one for us to record there. And then yeah, LinkedIn is probably the only social channel I'm really active on. So you can find me on there.
0: Sam, thanks so much. Thanks to everyone who tuned in today. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for watching everyone. Just again, wanted to say thanks to Sam for taking the time to join the show. And thanks to everyone who's taken the time to tune into this and all of our previous episodes of Live with Lighthouse. We really appreciate you taking the opportunity to learn something new to grow your business. I think Sam's conversation was really insightful today. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or want to learn more about his approach and some of the new ideas that came up. Really looking forward to keeping the marketing conversations going this month. Make sure to come back next week. Next Thursday, we're launching our episode with Lauren Melenda from Riveter Design. Lauren's coming on to talk about personal branding, how it supports your employer brand, and how company leaders can use it to more effectively communicate some principles from their own leadership design and make it authentic. You know, we're always talking about authentic connections in marketing. I think it's gonna be a really interesting chat. I wanna say thanks to everyone for tuning in. Have a great week.